Welcome to another episode of the Chefs for Life Spotlight, where we meet amazing individuals from around the world, discovering their connections with chess, using the game of chess to positively impact the world. I'm your host, Elliot Neff, National Master, founder of Chess for Life, and author of A Pawn's Journey, Transforming Lives One Move at a Time. With me today is Jonathan Singler. And I am delighted to have him join this episode. We met a few years ago, pre-COVID, during the uh, the collegiate chess championships. I was coaching a team from the Pacific Northwest. Jonathan was part of the Alaskan team. And we met at this event where not only were the teams competing, I was doing a really fun project related to the data, the correlation between chess players and STEM education. Fun project over multiple years. And we got to talking with Jonathan. And what fascinated me was his interest in chess as an educational vehicle, a tool for improving lives. So I'm so excited to have reconnected with Jonathan and to, and to air this episode talking about that. So Jonathan, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for that introduction, Elliot, and uh, just this opportunity to uh, be passionate about talking with about chess education and really highlighting that it's 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 a tool, right? Um, we bring a lot of things to the chessboard, but we also take away a lot of things back into our lives. So thanks once again for allowing me to be here. Absolutely, and I know we've got a lot of ground to cover. We're talking about <laughs> where you are now as a professor at Webster with your work and your graduate degree in this space and, and the amazing things. But before we get into all of that, do you mind taking a few minutes and let's let our audience know a little bit about you? You know, where did you come from? What got you into chess in the first place? You know, where have your travels taken you? Because I know you've been around. So <laughs> please let our audience know a little bit about your background. Sure, absolutely. So uh, for those who aren't familiar with Webster University, I guess we'll start where I'm at currently. I'm in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. I've been very fortunate to be here for these past three years, uh, working on my Doctor of uh, Education degree. And to take a little step back, so when Ellie and I, Elliot and I had met, uh, this was back uh, when I was in Alaska for four years at that time, uh, coaching the Alaska Pacific University chess team and uh, doing a lot of community work across the state for U.S. chess. Uh, so and then taking a step back from there, uh, I grew up in Texas, a little bit in Spain as well, a little back and forth. But uh, that's where I spent most of my time and uh, where I actually learned how to play chess. It's where I first fell in love with it about 15 years ago. And uh, since then, you know, how I was captured, uh, my interests and passions were captured in the game. I realized others were too. And, um, you know, I really wanted to get to the bottom of it, you know, was, was what I was experiencing over the board and in my personal life, uh, being challenged through the game of chess, were others, you know, experiencing this? And the short answer is yes. I'm sure Elliot can attest to this too. Um, you know, that uh, chess really is a transformative tool and, you know, how we decide to interact with the game and its limits as either a game or um, a language to connect with other people um, is really up to us. And, you know, kind of ending it right there is uh, chess is about relationships, you know, first and foremost. That's awesome, Jonathan. And actually to take the game of chess seen as a cerebral activity and to say it's about relationships. Right. Yes. You don't always hear that said. And yet I can attest to that myself with having played people from different communities and languages and feeling a kinship, whether mm -hmm. or not I spoke their language just because of our connection over the chessboard. So that's that's fascinating. Now, you moved very quickly saying Texas and Spain. Not everybody connects those two. <laughs> and do you mind sharing just a tiny bit yeah. about how that came about? And, and then, if you don't mind, when did you get introduced to the game? Was it at an early yeah. age? Was it later? And what was your experience in chess? How far did you take it? Absolutely. Um, great questions. And yeah, context definitely helps, whether in a chess position or, you know, in these stories. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I grew up with uh, divorced parents. Um, and I think this is kind of interesting. Many, many chess players or just people in general have different cards in life dealt to them. And, you know, what you decide to do with them is really up to you. Um, but uh, I had the great opportunity um, 
I guess uh, growing up in Spain when I was two, three, four years old, um, and then when parents divorced, my father was military. Uh, my mother was back in the States. My brother and I went um, to live with her. And uh, I had actually missed out on a relationship with my father for 16 years. And when we were reintroduced uh, about 19 years old, I was on my own um, for a bit, homeless for a little bit. And uh, I was actually very fortunate. He wanted to have a relationship with me. And uh, lo and behold, actually, he, you know, plays chess, not, you know, competitively, but, uh, you know, it's his second passion in life, I would say, behind music. And, um, you know, and so that, that brought me back to Spain after so many years, uh, getting to see the, the community I grew up in, you know, the little roads, little cafes and things, uh, small memories that I had at, you know, the ages of three and four. Um, and then that's where I'd already been playing chess in high school. So I guess to kind of fuse, you know, both of these angles in Texas and Spain, um, I learned chess about 15 years ago as a freshman or sophomore in high school at that time. Um, I had played before in life, but this was really my reintroduction into it uh, by a group of friends. And uh, uh, we decided to make a chess club for others. Um, when I traveled to Spain, I actually played in my first official event. It was a FIDE event. Um, I think the, the rating pool average was like around 2100 FIDE or something. Um, I scored, I think, three or four out of eight. So really great performance, but didn't count for anything because I didn't have a country flag and they didn't know what to do with me. So, um, you know, it was a unique experience, but I was connected to a Spanish team. They play um, by cities, essentially. And the city I, I grew up in was Rota. And uh, the, the gentlemen that were part of that team, you know, I barely spoke in, uh, Spanish and they took me under their wing and, you know, and it was just a great supportive group. And that was really my first competitive uh, experience. So when I came back to the States in 2013, uh, I moved back to Texas. Um, there's actually a reason for that. Uh, went was supposed to go to Webster, which is where I just graduated from, but uh, life kind of handed me a different set of cards at the time and challenges. And so I stayed in Texas and decided, you know what, I probably should have rating, um, you know, and I need to get a little more competitive actual experience rather than casually through local clubs. And so that's how it kind of bridged back. And hopefully I'll be in Spain in a couple of months as well competing. So looking forward to getting back. Well, thank you for for expounding on on that part of the background, sure. and that is fascinating. How chess was a game that you picked up and it became a connection point with your mm -hmm. family, uh, which I I hear frequently actually how chess bridges generations and connects people together, and and it's a beautiful thing. I love what ChessHouse.com does, you know, with their mm -hmm. mission to connect families together, yes. and get chess in every home, and and make it accessible. It reminds me of that when I think about it. So mm -hmm. with all that said, you enjoyed the game. You enjoyed playing with your dad. You played in high school. When mm -hmm. did the idea come that there's something more to this that I want to pursue? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, there's two angles from that. First off, recognizing, you know, that there was something, you know, interesting within the game for you to pursue beyond just playing it in and of itself. Um, you know, I recognized first that part of the, the community piece uh, in high school because I realized I was not a great chess player. I think I lost probably a thousand or so games in the first year that I was playing before I got my first draw. Um, and that draw, by the way, was playing against the friend who was teaching me uh, he was playing blindfolded and accidentally stalemated me. Oh, so, okay. uh, you know, I don't know if that's much of an achievement. I just got to interrupt for a second, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't hear this every day, but I think core <laughs> to the life skills and mindsets of success that are behind why Chess for Life even exists. Yes. What you just said there was you, you have lost, right, <laughs> over a thousand games. Definitely more since then, but yes. <laughs> which, is, which is just incredible, right? Now at Chess for Life, we say you can win, you can draw, or you can learn. Learn, yes. And in essence, that's what you were doing, right? Because you didn't Absolutely. know how many people will face failure and just mm -hmm. give up. Yes. But if you turn it into learning, we like to say fail stands for first attempt in learning. Yes. And if you can Beautiful. turn that into learning, you can improve. And look at that. You achieved a drop. 
okay, yes, your opponent was blindfolded and blundered, but you still got it. <laughs> right, right, you know, but hey, that's chess, right? Um, yeah. You know, and so, and I, I love, you know, what you do with chess for life and, and really these mottos and mindsets uh, that you all have. And, and it's absolutely true. You know, for me, that's where it hit that, you know, it's not about the result, right? I was chasing the result of beating my friend, right? There's a sense of competitiveness, but it then was like, whoa, hold on a second. It's about the process. Like, how did we just get here, right? And, um, and during that time, I was teaching other, you know, club players and they're, of course, all beating me during that time. And, um, you know, and I, and I realized that my relationship with chess was very different because I did want to win, but I was thinking about actually everything outside of chess during my games. I was thinking about my home life. Right. Uh, at the time, my father and I didn't have a relationship. So I was thinking about those things and the different adversities I was having. And I realized that in playing with other people, some of these actually came out in dialogue, you know, at school. Right. You're making friends and um, and you're getting to know, you know, not only somebody vulnerably through the game of chess, what they they're thinking and they're missing just in their own games, but you know, about themselves as well. And so, um, you know, right away within a few months of, of playing and, and starting to coach, I mean, as soon as I, you know, started, it wasn't, you know, through certifications or officially, it was just teaching friends, coaching friends, um, you know, that I recognized, you know, there's got to be more people with more stories and, you know, just as many, if not more adversities that are gravitating to this game. And so where do you, where do you go from that? And, um, you know, I didn't realize college chess at the time was a thing, um, not for a few years. I didn't know what U.S. chess was, didn't know any of this um, where I grew up. So it wasn't until um, I graduated high school and started playing locally uh, with, you know, players in the community and, and things like that, putting on events that I realized that, you know, chess was a lot bigger. And so when I went to Spain, I found out college chess was a thing. I reached out to the, the famous Susan Polgar and her, you know, Texas Tech to Webster transition at that time. And um, that's, that's really where chess for me started growing into a, you know, not only can I do some community events, but, you know, I can actually pursue it to some degree, if you will, beyond, you know, it just being a game without any sort of professional context. Hmm. So what I'm hearing you say, right, is that there are these various benefits of chess. The way you think about chess applies to the way you think about life. Reminds mm -hmm. me of our interview with Robert Katende from the Queen of Katwe project, yes. right, where he mm -hmm. loves to say that chess is life, that whether you know how the pieces <laughs> move, you're playing chess in life anyway, you yeah. know. So now why not use a game to develop those abilities and those intentional thinking and problem solving that occurs as we pivot, right? Every move, situation changes, new information is introduced, and, and it requires this planning and yet flexibility at the same yes. time. And so all these elements, that's fascinating, though, that as you're playing chess, you're thinking so much about the outside part of your chess game in life. Mm -hmm. And so taking that forward now, Let's let's uh, take a moment and talk about some of the benefits that you saw or what was the premise behind some more of this deeper work that you've been doing. Can you unpack some of that? Because you've yeah. been now investing years into <laughs> chess education or education yeah. through chess. And can you can you touch on that or, or give us a, a snapshot of what you're doing in that space? Absolutely. Um, you know, I feel old and young in the same <laughs> moment. I just turned 30. And so it's like 15 years I've spent half my life, you know, um, on chess in these different ways. And, um, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate, not only first off to have the adversities and sort of look at chess through the lens that I, you know, came to know chess through for myself. But I've over the years, especially my time during Alaska, the, the four years, um, I got busy real quick. Um, I knew that chess was kind of teeter-tottering. You know, there's some community, um, you know, locally, you know, run um, events and things, but I knew there wasn't a state affiliate. I knew that uh, chess as a statewide construct really wasn't developed. 
And so in 2016, when I, um, you know, had once again, different cards kind of laid out in front of me, um, that was the path that opened up. I went up there for school and my mission was to, well, let's start with a chess club. Let's build a chess team the second year. The third year, we're going to really be competing um, even for bottom seed. But in that time, I wanted to start connecting um, chess from the university using those sort of resources and opportunities I had as, as a student to then working with various organizations, helping different organizations grow. Um, so uh, we actually have mutual contact, Colleen Ivanko from Alaska through Alaska Chess, um, a really great nonprofit organization. There's other organizations as well that had come up over the years that it was a part of, Last Frontier Chess Foundation, Ch uh, which was the statewide affiliate for U.S. Chess of Alaska, um, running state championships. For those who aren't really aware of what a state affiliate does, they just oversee the competition side of it. Um, and then, of course, I was running stuff through the university. And then chess schooling also developed, which was a um, uh, sort of a, an organization dedicated to getting chess into, uh, you know, Title I slash homeschooled schools and, and education systems uh, for those who may not have the, the same access. And during that time, COVID happened. So we were online. It was a beautiful experience. Um, lots of chess opportunities across the state. Now there, you know, there's multiple organizations and entities across there. But um, Alaska was really my um, opportunity to put myself in many uncomfortable, you know, social situations that, you know, I'm a very introverted, you know, person. And um, it's, I recognize the things that were holding me back, I would say personally, that I needed to sort of grow through. Um, it was kind of like the obstacle was the way to kind of pull that from Ryan Holiday, you know, stoicism type talk. But um, I was like, hey, I'm very introverted. I don't like standing in front of people. I don't like grabbing a microphone. I'd rather, you know, be the person in the shadows, you know, making things, you know, happen. And I realized that wasn't going to fly um, to really build chess and even use the word community, right? Communities want faces. They want real people. Um, they want to know who they're working with. And so, yeah, Alaska was really just this... Um, you know, incredible, you know, and fertile land to, you know, sow some seeds, plant them, water them, nurture them, um, and connect with other people who are just as passionate, if not about chess, but about communities. And so to end, you know, this, I, I had the opportunity to work with those chess organizations, and we did so much work for the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, NASA, um, Girl Scouts of Alaska, um, some local sort of senior rehabilitation homes as well as uh, rehabilitation centers for um, prisons. So, you know, you name it and it's like community chess was what was happening. And I was very grateful to, you know, not only walk into Alaska um, with some efforts having already been there over the years, right? We stand on the shoulders of giants, but to then also find people who also wanted to see some of this grow, these opportunities for children and adults. Um, we, we can't forget about adult chess players. So, um, you know, so hopefully that, that answers your question, gives some context as to these, you know, different ways that community chess uh, can be profound. That's, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. That was, that was a lot, right, of that has gone on in your four years of college chess community development, even the COVID impacts. So why don't we move forward from that, right? Growth, that was a phase of life. You were learning and I loved your element where the obstacle is basically the opportunity. Yes. We love saying that too. And I've heard Dan, <laughs> strategic coach, say that. Yes. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing where many people see obstacles as problems or, or roadblocks, whereas in essence, those are the raw material from which you have opportunity arising. It's a chess puzzle. Right? <laughs> And so moving on from that, talk a little bit more about the phase after those four years, you know, yeah. you've uh, just been completing your doctorate, correct? Yes. yes. And so can you talk <laughs> about that transition from where you did the first four years to 
this phase from then till now? What happened? What has transpired? And then hopefully we can di- dive into a little bit of what have you discovered so far? Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's still uh, sinking in. Um, I've been in school year round for the past eight years, uh, so no breaks. And now I'm, you know, I just finished uh, uploading my dissertation to ProQuest. So, uh, you know, things, I, I still have sort of that. Um, Congratulations, by the yeah, way. That's- thank you. Thank you. A big um, milestone. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And it, it just it reminds me that, you know, we, we set off on these really just amazing personal achievements for ourselves. But, um, you know, it's it always goes back to the process for me um, and the people, you know, in that process. And um, the degree for me was collateral. So I think that's a great place to start. Um, you know, for me, it is an achievement, but it's, it's a piece of paper that's going to get put behind glass behind my desk if I even do that. Um, but it, it starts, you know, back to Alaska and a little bit before. So I transferred up with my associates to Alaska to do my bachelor's. I realized that um, in order for me to graduate quickly, because I could not afford school, um, that was an issue um, years back. And so I said, you know what, liberal studies it is, do some counseling psychology, pick up a little things, but everything's chess focused with every course I take. What about this course? outdoor leadership, you know, comes back to chess, right? Heuristic traps. Um, it kills people over the board, you know, and unfortunately in life. And so there, it, it didn't matter the topic. It, it came back to it. And so I was fascinated by higher education chess. Um, you know, there were some works that were done by um, recently UTRGV, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, University of Te- Texas, Dallas is not only a powerhouse in chess, but chess courses and now Webster University before my time here and the work I'm doing. So I was interested in, okay, there's courses, but why do we not have a degree, right? If chess is so great in research, which is questionable, um, some of the research, but, um, you know, if chess has already been established, you know, through a, as a cerebral game and activity and it has theory and it has history and it has community and culture, why is it just not offered, um, especially in the context that most people don't use their degrees? Um, so, you know, arguments aside, I built a course, an intro to uh, a chess education course, um, made a 16-week course out of it, different topics, and was like, here's a format for Alaska Pacific University based on your competency-based education model. Here's how this fits. Do you want this? <laughs> and the answer was like, well, I don't know that we're ready for it. So I stayed for another two years, did my master's, um, and I transitioned from focusing on chess and higher education to um, children and after-school programming programming to look at resilience and growth mindset. So inducing loss through the game of chess to them and seeing cognitively interviewing, doing observational analysis of what do they experience. Um, So very interesting study, but to kind of bring it forward to Webster, Webster was where I wanted to be 10 years ago. I moved from Spain, um, was, you know, openly talked about this, was rejected twice by the university um, due to some barriers that I had in my life. And um, everybody had told me I was crazy. Why would I leave Alaska where I'm very well known? I've worked with some incredible people. We're making some progress to go to a place that um, I should have hard feelings towards. And once again, the obstacle is the way, right? The issue is not the university. The issue is my mindset and that. And there is something that I want out of it. And, you know, the opportunity to work with, um, you know, heroes or mentors, you know, in your life um, is, you know, regardless of the outcomes of that, it's it's such an incredible opportunity. So any anytime Webster comes up, I know we have um, GM Lim. Uh, LeQuang, who's the current director of the team there. But before that, we had Susan Polgar. And of course, everybody in the world knows who she is. So you don't really get to talk about, you know, college chess without that. And her and I had talks over the years of we really see the need for chess in higher education. It just happened that it would take me, you know, seven years, (laughs) you know, if that's not biblical for, you know, some people, seven years of really struggling um, personally and having to work hard to get to the point to, I'm at the time 27 years old. Most people applying to this doctorate degree are uh, twice my age. <laughs> so, and I hadn't been a, a normal teacher and uh, in the classroom, I'd been a chess coach, 
had taught a little bit, but um, so everything just lined up, yeah. if you will. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate for Susan, the university for supporting Chas and myself. Um, and the timing was right. And I was very set already on the research I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure this degree was built. I wanted to make sure that research was done on the topics of higher education and professional development training, because we have a lot of PDT in the field, but we don't have any research really around it. And um, so it was once again, you know, new soil, new challenges and uh, opportunities to fail for the purpose to learn and then hopefully provide something back to others. So I've been here for three years and I'm actually moving here pretty soon. So yeah. Well, that's, that's already amazing. Just the journey of you're not giving up, right? You talk about looking about resilience and grit and these crucial fundamental, I like to say skills, because I believe you can develop these. You're not just mm-hmm. born with or without this. I believe you can develop these skills. And it's why we do this work at Chess for Life, that inculcating a mindset as really a success mindset versus a failure mindset, a growth mindset versus a stagnant mindset. And just like recently, we interviewed and chatted with Peg Dawson, one of the leading educators in the space of executive skills. And there's so much parallel here to the benefits of what we're doing. So I applaud you for, again, never giving up (laughs) on your dream and pursuing and now accomplishing this. Yeah. And, and it comes back to really just opportunities for others, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have like worked on some things I have, but, you know, this first, you know, minor degree in chess, like in, in the U.S., um, you know, is really starting that conversation and really for, you know, it, even though the focus is on adults and higher education, it really offer, offers something tangible for K through 12. You know, we have a lot of children who spend 12 and 13 years in chess to then, you know, they walk away from the game for until who knows when. And this is an opportunity to continue their chess education, but also learn how to use it from a, you know, person and community perspective and even build some professional opportunities, which should enrich the field. So that's awesome. So you've basically developed a college course for chess in education. Is what I mean. What it is um, course, course, multiple courses actually, but yes, the, the the minor degree and some of those courses were developed before. But kind of going back to my time in Alaska, I took that initial course I I created, and then used that sort of as a template to build the rest of of what was missing. And um, I will tell anybody, it is it is a process and a half um, building a degree at a university, even getting the support for yeah. it. So. So may I ask, is yeah. this now actively being offered to students in the university? Yes, um, actually. So as of fall 22, um, it went live and uh, students are already taking courses for credit. Um, they're well on their way in the track. And because uh, Webster University is an international uh, university, we actually have some developments currently in Uzbekistan and some other countries that are starting uh, students on those tracks, too. So. The idea is um, they have opportunities to learn how to play chess, but that's more of the electives. The core courses out of the 18 credits are uh, more focused on chess as an academic subject. So uh, introducing them to the field of chess, chess and education, chess sport, um, chess through history, chess and psychology, technology, um, and then those leftover credits, they can do some uh, learning how to play chess and as well as community chess too. So that's, that's awesome. So what type of students, shall I say, would select this course to add on to their major in the, in the university? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the the development of it, it's it's pretty open, right? So it's not focused on, you know, rating necessarily. Some of the electives are, um, you know, there's, there's some barriers with that for the higher, um, you know, advanced theoretical courses, but the, the general academic courses, they really fit first off with education students. Um, my doctorate degree is in education. Um, I have a passion just for education itself, but um, it's for teachers or students who are wanting to become teachers first off to be certified. 
and choosing this minor gives them actually something tangible to take to their school. So when they're sitting down in front of that principal or assistant principal or department chair who's hiring them, uh, they're like, by the way, I see you're missing this or you have a program. Here's how I can, you know, professionally add to this. Um, and so there's a bit more, uh, like I said, tangibility to just I'm a certified teacher. And that's not to knock it at all. Certification takes a while. But um, over time, as any teacher will know, there's other collaterals that sort of get dropped on your plate if you would like to advance your career. And so there's that. But outside of that, if you're you know, a computer science student, there's computer science courses, um, you know, psychology students, psychology course, et cetera. So we look at chess as a discipline, an academic discipline of itself with sub-disciplines. This is very different to chess in education where chess is used as a sub-discipline to other disciplines. So we've kind of flipped that script. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. Okay, so with uh, our time is is running here, and there's so much more I'd love to unpack. Let's let's uh, touch base briefly here. You've just completed this doctorate. Is, yes. Are there a few like highlights or light bulb moments <laughs> or any you know couple of things that you'd be willing to share at this point from all this intense research and study that you've been doing over the last, as you mentioned, eight years without a break? <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, uh, so, you know, I'm trying to think of like non-chess related answers because I mean, really a dissertation process has nothing to do with chess. I was fortunate to focus on chess as, as the topic um, and the topic's actually uh, also on human agency. So really understanding how do people go from intentions to actualization and how do they process that to become, you know, uh, a more advanced version of themselves um, or whatever that means. But you know, the, the process of it, first off, um, you can't do research if you're not willing to challenge the status quo and be wrong. Um, I think with anybody who conducts research or has curiosity and, you know, with research specifically, uh, I like to look at it as Swiss cheese. And it's got a bunch of holes. And if you look at one slice, it looks pretty, pretty rugged. But through you know, other people conducting research, other slices of Swiss cheese, you start stacking it, those holes start disappearing, right? Different ones pop up. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you don't really get to embark on that without, as we you know, talk about failure, right? And learning um, and progress, you don't get to do that without some sense of both accountability and courage, but also, you know, being told you're wrong. And I think that's the, the most beautiful thing about it because we're not going to find the holy grail of chess of, you know, this is the one thing that justifies its existence and education and life. First off, we have enough research out there that benefits it. We also have research that says there are no benefits. I think that's great because um, it continues the dialogue, but we have to move beyond justification. So, you know, what I learned, you know, from my degree, it's not a PhD, it's a professional doctorate, so equivalent in terms of, you know, terminal degree, but it's practice-based. I decided to build this degree as part of my doctoral apprenticeship and do research on it because the field needs it. Yeah. It's a very simple, you know, question of what do we need? Or it could be a question of what do you want to experience that you did not and I guarantee you're not the only one who's either, either had that thought or is working on it. And um, so that's what I learned first off is, you know, you have to challenge the status quo and be wrong. And the second thing from that is, once again, it comes back to relationships and people. Um, you're not alone. So an education is a very beautiful breeding ground for ideas and progress. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And then can you say what's next you know you <laughs> just had this uh, like we said a milestone in the journey mm -hmm. and uh, you know what what's your next plans for the foreseeable you know next period or where do you see yourself going what's your what's your even big goal shall we say in the sure. next phase and i leave it up to you what time because you're just 30 and you've completed already something that many people <laughs> don't do till much later in life even and so what do you see as your next big target or 
you know, mountain to climb, shall we say, or, <laughs> or, or is it a valley to discover? Who knows? Sure. <laughs> I, I love that. The valley to discover. Um, you know, there's a first, there's, there's a first couple things up, you know, pop up. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a planner, um, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, you know, I am thinking, you know, of those things and, you know, I didn't, you know, the, the person that, you know, the people I looked up to when I was 20, you know, 19, 20, you know, homeless, you know, you'd be surprised when you kind of take that and you turn it onto yourself and you realize, look, like, I have these people I look up to, but I really want to look up to myself. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm there yet, but I will say that I'm very proud of like where I'm at. And as I think about, you know, next steps, uh, my father likes to remind me that, you know, you know, just because the mountain is there doesn't mean you have to climb it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's really important as you're talking about, you know, the, the valleys, um, it's, it's the journey, it's the process. So the next couple steps for me, you know, I'm working as a professor at the university here. Um, I'm obviously, even though we have a minor degree, my, my vision's a bit further than that already. Things are currently developing on my own end with chess and higher education. And I'm probably just ahead of my time right now. Um, chess still needs time to grow in the field, but um, next couple steps, first off, fall back in love with chess. I've been working in chess so hard that I haven't really had the time to sit down and study and just really enjoy the game for what it is in and of itself. And I would say the next, next thing, which is hopefully more uh, sooner than later, is uh, heading back to España. So go back, see some family, um, you know, play some chess with uh, some Spanish nationals and uh, just you know, once again, connect back with the people who matter most and, uh, you know, love chess for its essence. I think, you know, we get so caught up in that grind or the, the you know, I have these goals and I have to, I have to, I have to. And it's, it's good to kind of take a pause. And I think that's something I've struggled with over the years. So now that I'm done out of school, you know, for now, <laughs> um, you know, my, my plan is to just kind of sit back for a second, still work on some things, finish up a couple books that have been, you know, put on pause um, for the dissertation and uh, kind of do what I want to do in chess because it's fun, not necessarily because it has to get done. So. Well, that is that is awesome. Thank you for sharing, Jonathan. And, you know, <clears throat> I love to close an interview with a, a key question, but before I get to that one, are you up for challenging me to a fun chess game? Absolutely. <laughs> and actually it's our first chess game. So I'm a little bit nervous, but also really excited. And once again, here to learn, right? <laughs> yes, that's great. So what I'll do is I'll chat you a link and we'll use one of the platforms here to play this match. And like we, we do. We love the game. It's a vehicle, right? It's a place to win, draw, and learn. And let's see if this link can work. And then I'll share screen just so people who are watching uh, can can view the game as we go. Uh, did that link come through okay to you? It did. There, there we go. go. So I'm going to share my screen now so it's more visible. We'll share that now. And it looks like you're playing the light pieces and I'm playing the dark one. So go right ahead. And I may talk through the game at the same time, just a little bit. Sure. So have fun. And like we say in chess, you always shake hands and wish your opponent, you know, good thinking, have a good game. Some people say good luck, though. I think you, you create your own thinking here. Less of, less <laughs> of luck. <laughs> yeah. So I wish you a good game, right? Awesome. <laughs> Something to learn from. We'll do that. And for those watching and and following along, you know, remember to like and subscribe if you want to listen to more of these amazing stories of chess as a vehicle for transforming lives. And so it's it's been so much fun already chatting with you, Jonathan. It's It's been a great time and a uh, long time coming to, like you said, we connected a few years ago and, uh, you know, there's, there's so many aspects about chess that, you know, people can benefit from and uh, whether it's playing the game, having a you know conversation about it, or um, doing some community work, it's um, 
there, there's just so much that can be done. So it's, it's really blessed my life for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, for those following along, you know, we're trying to talk as we play. That's not always recommended <laughs> because of the concentration factor. But here we have a battle for the center. Pawns are blocking, and I see an opportunity to snag a pawn here, so I'll do that. Um, it does move my piece into a potentially dangerous spot, so I have to be careful about it. And in fact, sometimes retreat is better than valor. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so here we are just trying to develop our pieces. If you're new to chess, I like sharing this too, that, you know, one of the key strategies is you have a team, use them together. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't have them play by themselves. And so, and then another strategy in chess is if you're ahead material, like a pawn, like I am at the moment, a good strategy is to trade pieces. And so I was not afraid to trade my Bishop for a knight here, three points for three points. Uh, for that reason, because uh, I'm ahead one pawn. And if you mathematically said, get rid of everything, I would be left <laughs> with the extra pawn. And hopefully that would be a, <laughs> a good advantage is how I look at that. Um, so here we've both castled. It might be dangerous for me because there's a lot of pieces on this side of the board. But my extra pawn, I'm hopeful to convert that advantage if feasible. This is a fascinating move. Now I've got to calculate carefully because I could take a take this knight here, which is worth this rook, I mean, worth five points for my knight worth three. But then the lines are even more open. Well, let's go for it. <laughs> let's see what happens. I love it. <clears throat> you know, one thing I used to tell many of my students was always look at the threats, look at the possibilities. And if you see something where you think you could gain something, but it looks dangerous, evaluate it. And whatever you do, don't not do it just because you're afraid of it. Because remember, it's about win, draw, or learn, that failing forward. Why not mm -hmm. learn from it rather than be afraid and don't try? Exactly. Yeah. So, and uh, you made a good point, Jonathan, that uh, this is our first game after having met years ago already with the collegiate um championships which is an amazing event hundreds of players from universities from around north america come together and in this event they compete as teams for the much coveted top prizes <laughs> there and so it was great meeting there and you know on that note of the of the data that we even uh, discovered as we were doing this is it is fascinating that a very strong percentage of collegiate chess players enter STEM fields. And you can learn more yeah. about that even if uh, if somebody's listening to this that's interested in another one of our episodes where we talk with Judith Stray and, and uh, Florian from Amazon, who's done amazing mm -hmm. work in the global chess club at Amazon. And we collaborated for a couple of years, collecting that data, drawing the correlations, it was unsurprising to us, the results. Um, and yet, uh, for some, it may be new information to see how strongly these things correlate. So, and I guess I should pay some attention to my position here. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing to try to advance forward. Uh, another key concept is to advance in, in your battles. Move those pieces up the board and uh, here I got myself forked which happens occasionally <laughs> uh, however we're gonna we're gonna tr we're gonna go for something a check here uncovers my attack on the queen my queen's also in danger so what in the world are we going to do about all this this is a wild game why <laughs> just gonna trade down and it's also a timed game which means that we have only so much time to play all of our moves so let's see i've got to move a little bit faster or i'm going to run out of time and that would not be so amazing um Oh no. All right. What am I doing here? 
We are in a little bit of a, a speed here, huh? <laughs> Just a little, wouldn't you say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Wait, Great game. <laughs> I noticed I had to stop talking at some point. <laughs> we both did. That was, that was an amazing game. Concentrating. That was actually quite fascinating. You had 1.5 seconds left. And wow, what a battle. And I'm sure there were plenty of opportunities for improving in there and, and back and forth. But I love the battle, right? It was <laughs> Going back and forth so frequently there. And just for those who are watching, one of the beauties of playing a game like this, especially even with the technology these days, is you can literally go right back. And I'm just going to give a quick tip here. This wasn't planned, but it just, we're talking <laughs> together, is I love telling people your best opportunity for improving is going back through those games. Like Jonathan talked about playing a thousand games and losing from them, but you learn from them and you grow. You know, so for anybody watching, just remember, you can always replay games like this. And a great thing to do is talk through it with your opponent going, hey, I was thinking about this. What were you thinking about? Right? What were the opportunities? And if we jump forward even to the end here, if we back up a little ways, because at the end, of course, we're just blitzing out our moves, trying to get done before that clock breaks down. I think you might have had me for a sec here, Jonathan. I think so, too. I, I think really so, nice. too. Right about here where I blundered in letting you get these two advanced pawns. It just feels to me like your pawns are better than my pawns, right? Because you got these two advancing up the board. I've got one, but it's just one without, you know, a companion. You talked about, you know, connection through chess, companionship. Here we go, right? <laughs> pawns <laughs> helping each other. And so when I played here, I was trying to think, what could it be that would be like the the key move your move i wasn't so keen about because i feel you put yourself in a pin yes yes into your rook but it felt like this might have been the moment and i'm wondering so. perhaps this move might have been the key because then i still can't enter your space yeah i think that that would have been key too um yeah, is can advance right, and this and this is why I need to fall back in love with chess and study some end games. <laughs> yeah. so. But it was really, really great context um, there, you know. And I, I think even just sort of out of the opening, you know, trying to find ways to, uh, you know, kind of muddy up the position a little bit, you know, to get yeah. something out of it, and and yeah. the game, you know, back and forth, back and forth, and then right at the end, yeah. anything happens. And that's the beauty of chess, isn't it? That the number of permutations are so many that there's always something new happening. You know, we like I like to say, for those who didn't know, the first three moves of a chess game, you know that there's upwards of 9 million possible unique positions. And just four moves in, there's over 280 billion it's just incredible how it mushrooms up. And that means it's like life. You don't know it all. You're just making decisions and evaluating every step of the way. So this has been so much fun talking to you, uh, Jonathan. One last question. Here you are, 30 years old, doing all this stuff, looking for more things. <laughs> if you met your younger self, what kind of advice would you give that young man? And perhaps pick a time, maybe in high school, you know, yeah. think back, maybe half, you know, what, what, what comes to mind? What was the, what would be the advice you would think of now that you would be like, Hey, this is the advice I would give. Man, it's, 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 that's a great question. You know, I mean, it's, it's one that uh, leaves a bit to, to be reflected on. 
Um, I, I think, you know, something that comes to mind is kind of going back to, you know, being your own hero. Um, I'm a fan of Campbell's, you know, Hero of a Thousand Faces or The Hero's Journey, um, you know, comparative literature, uh, you know, that he worked on and, and developed. And we see that through movies and films, Star Wars, things like that. But, um, you know, I was very fortunate, I would say, with my with myself at that time that um, I had picked up certain qualities through the adversities that I had had. And some of that being like more self-reliance and introspection and things. And, and if I were to, you know, kind of go back and sort of tap myself on the shoulder and say, hey, kid, listen up here, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I would... I would say something along the lines of, you know, enjoy where you're at mm -hmm. because you, you will not be back, right? You will not be back in a few hours. You'll not be back in a few years. Um, and, you know, really just trust yourself in that process, right? Because like I said, we, we look up to a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's great to have, you know, some sense of, wow, I really like that quality about them and I want to develop that. Like, that's, yeah. that's beautiful, right? But, you know, there's a point in which that comparison has to stop and you have to start working on yourself. And I would say, you know, just trust the process and, you know, keep, you know, be the person that you want to become and just stick with it. You know, it's going to take some time and, yeah. and that's it. I, so I love that piece of focusing upon the future you mm -hmm. and then build it. Yeah, build it, you know, and go for it, right? Li live in the moment, like in the that's, sense that's of you've, you've idealized it and now it's just do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that, that is great. So, you know, for all the great work you're doing, what would you say for someone who's like, I'm fascinated with this? How can I follow along with this kind of work? Do you have a link, a website, a blog, mm -hmm. anywhere that people can follow along with this great work uh, that we could post in the comments later on? Absolutely. Uh, right now it's an email. Um, and the reason for that is uh, actually during the last few months uh, with the dissertation, I completely got off all social media actually until uh, a week ago. So um, for now, um, you can, you know, my emails, jsingler, J-S-I-N-G-L-E-R 33 at webster.edu. So that's probably the best connection point, if not Facebook or LinkedIn works well. Um, but I, I will be building some content uh, over the next couple months. Wonderful. I'll be happy to add additional links to as this gets posted uh, for people Perfect. to follow along. So once again, thank you for joining us on the spotlight today and everyone listening in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a fascinating what is happening in chess in higher ed and chess as a degree now in order to further benefit educators. That is beautiful. Thank you. And remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on other amazing stories about how chess is transforming lives locally and globally.